Baltimore. Baltimore, D.C., baby. Yeah, it's the fucking art pros. What's up? So, I hope, I, maybe you're wondering why we're in Baltimore, D.C. The other day, we were invited by our buddy Eric Antonio Benitez, a.k.a. Uh, Ethan Anton Benny. A.k.a. Pajaro de la Selva. A.k.a. De La 500. Shout out Transceiver. Shouts out Transformer. Shouts out Joshua, the curator. Yeah. We were on that shit. Um, so Transceiver was a pirate radio station in D.C. You could have caught it on 89.5, I think. 87.5, one of those. Maybe, or maybe not. It's a pirate station. We don't know. We're going to try and get that shit up for you. And come check us out. We were putting on for the unpaid artists out there for y'all unpaid interns, which we know that we haven't been talking to y'all so much lately, but we love you guys so much. Thank you so much. Everyone who listens to this podcast, you know, every day we see you, we know you're out there and we got some people that we want to shout out. Yo, my, my buddy, Daniel Cowman, all the way from Canada, Quebec, just donated five bucks. Thank you. We're going to now, I mean, thank you and screw you because now we have to do like 30 minutes of research. Yeah, we did a lot more research for this episode. Well, guess what? This is what you receive as an intern. Better leadership. More content. <laughs> All Doper right. content. All right. All right. Let's not get too crazy. We're, we're really Let's hyped. Go. Let's go. You know, this is episode 14. We're very excited. I'm super into this topic today. Um... So the topic today is why we think Dave Matthews' band is the best music to listen to in the studio. And the best music to listen to just in your in your general daily life. So first of all, Dave Matthews' band has three words in, in the name of it. Just kidding. All right, so I don't know if y'all <laughs> heard about this. This is some recent new development shit. But Amazon has made video games for its workers to reduce the tedium of warehouse jobs. Now, I'm getting this information from Ars Technica, but they have like a lot of syllables in their name, so I trust them as a news source. Apparently, Amazon has created video games that its warehouse workers can play while they fill customer orders in an effort to speed up fulfillment and relieve the tedium of packing products into boxes. This article is also in Washington Post, right? Uh, yeah, actually, it's super funny because Ars Technica's article is less about Amazon and more about the article that the Washington Post made. Uh, you know, that's a society we exist within. Got to take content from content. They, wait, so it's an article about the article? Yeah, I mean, for example, one of the quotes says, The Washington Post described the warehouse games in a report yesterday, and then it has a colon. <laughs> and then they have, like... Two blocks of text that are a quote. Okay, okay. So they're doing a little bit of a uh, de-writing. Yeah, so essentially these games are developed by Amazon and they have like these screens at, at workstations. So while robots are doing like most of the heavy lifting, um, like screens light up and like have like a visual interface in which the item the worker needs to pluck to put into a bin is like... I don't know, lit up. There's no images released of this, but essentially the games like kind of give an incentive to to do your job and it lights up and it has like a virtual point system and it's tracked by scanning devices and, and they're trying to pit individuals, teams, and entire floors against one another to be the fastest. Okay. Oh, okay. So I get it. So the robots are basically the human's boss and they're treating them like children by making them play games to work that's what it sounds because like because they me. don't have enough to do and they're like all right well you know i'm a robot i'm way smarter and more efficient than this human and you know he's really this human's really cutting into my productivity and as a robot why don't i just entertain this human by giving it a game well the so the washington post via ars technica via the art pros says to think tetris but with real boxes 
Now, Amazon has deployed the games in five warehouses from suburban Seattle to near Manchester in Britain. After starting to offer them at a lone warehouse in late 2017, the games ratchet up workplace competition while slyly pushing workers to raise the stakes among themselves to pack more boxes bound for customer homes. Yeah, very slick, Amazon. Very slick. But don't get it twisted. These games are voluntary, and no images of the games were revealed. The post said the games have names such as Mission Racer, Picks in Space, Dra- <laughs> Dragon Duel, and Castle Crafter. And they use simple graphics uh, like 64-bit, 32-bit, 8-bit graphics, all divisible by 8. Are they doing this in all the facilities? No, it's just a couple. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, they're, I think they're trying it out. Um, it looks like their goal is to test it and then essentially make the workers hate their job less. Okay, well, in in that, I guess that's kind of cool. It just makes me think of like, all right, well, let me reel it back a little. That's Work is work, right? And most people aren't excited about going to work unless you're one of the lucky few that gets to do their job and love what they do, like me and Gage's podcasters. Yeah, that's all we do every day. We're we leveling an episode. Yeah, we, actually, all 13 of these episodes we did in one day. Yeah. Um, like, a couple yeah. months whenever from whenever you're listening to this. Just kidding. Anyway, <laughs> I'm talking about Amazon and how I got, a, I got a bone to pick with this a little bit. What's the problem, man? All right. So, uh, on one side, I think you're right because you just said that, uh, it, which I think is true, it will make work feel a little bit more fun. But also in the article I read that it said that most people don't play it. Maybe they're jaded. Maybe they're like, man, Amazon, you want me to work hard. You don't need to, I don't need games. I don't need, I don't need to play games at work. Yeah, well, video games are, are notoriously addictive. So, like, they're trying to get you addicted to doing this job that probably sucks and underpays you. I mean, there's a lot of workers' rights issues that people talk about with Amazon, which is, you know, fucked up, man. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. It's, yeah, yeah I just thought... <laughs> I just thought it was something interesting. Now, okay, so you now video games are go infiltrating people's work, right? And it's supposed to make work a little bit more fun, and maybe the workers will be more productive. And Amazon isn't monitoring them or anything like that. It does say it tracks their productivity, but it doesn't go against them if they use the game. Well, okay, so uh, I'm going back to this article. Essentially, these robots are are like moving shelves of inventory, and then the workers <laughs> sit around and they pick stuff off. Um, it's saying that with the introduction of robots, since Amazon introduced robots, it's raised the requirements of picking items off the shelf from 100 items an hour to 300 items an hour and trying to move closer to 400 items an hour. What? And one worker was quoted as to have said that she had picked more than once nearly 500 items off of the roving shelves in an hour, egged on by the game pitting her against other pickers to compel a race car around a track. So this game kind of sounds a little whack, too. Like, each box you pick, like, the race car moves a little farther. That just kind of sounds like visualizing time going by. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Like, all right. You're giving us a rudimentary game. Really, what this game is probably, and I'm just going to assume, if anybody, an intern, uh, can one of you interns raise your hand and tell me what Pavlov's dog is? All right, nobody? Pavlov's, no, wait, 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 wait. That guy has it, his hand raised. Oh, oh, yeah, you, right hey, there. Hey, dude, this is a podcast. We can't hear you. Or see you. Or see, well, we can see you inside of right, your Why don't you eye. tell everybody else? No. All right, I'll do it. So Pavlov's, <laughs> Pavlov's dog is an experiment done by a scientist named Pavlov. He basically figured out years ago, maybe the 40s or something like that, don't quote me, uh, that if you, if you, uh, do a, if you give a, a dog a response before giving it a treat, you can train this dog to do stuff. Uh, Pavlov trained and realized that these dogs' mouths start watering when he gave them the treat. So before he gave them the treat, he rang a bell. Bing! Treat. Mouthwatering. He repeated it over and over. Eventually, he rang the bell, didn't give the dog the treat, and his mouth started watering. That's what video games essentially are. Damn, and I in didn't this know rudimentary that. form, 
and Amazon, you are the dog. And the Amazon robot games is Pavlov. And you're getting a, a cognitive response from getting points, winning. Uh, I think in the article I read that if you like are a high score person, you get like a little prize or something like that. That's cool. But guess what? You're getting played. You're getting trained, boy. You're getting trained. That's what my problem is. Some people get video games put at work to make them better. Some people's lives are video games. Video games is their work. Which one do you think is worse? Um, I don't know, man. Do you think being a pro gamer is actually fun? No, I bet that shit sucks. Because you got to play video games all the time. And sometimes you just want to go get a taco. Yeah, man. Like, I was seeing that people on Twitch who really want to, like, maintain their fault. Because it's not about... So, so like, you're a video gamer, right? And you show your videos on Twitch to make bread. And you're like, oh, man. Like, I'm making, you know, $800 a night playing video games. But the thing is, is that that's completely predicated on keeping an audience. So kind of like how Celine Dion has to do in, in Las Vegas, like every night you got to bring it. So like, there's no days off. If you miss a day, then they're just going to go to another one of the millions of fucking Twitch streamers that are, that are streaming at the time. And you know, they might like that person better. And, and that's fair for the consumer to choose to go to a different person, but it's still pro like, it still makes your job harder. And ultimately you have to keep ramping up your productivity every day just to keep like, you know, the short attention span that we have. Here's another problem I have with it. You're making work uh, explicitly competitive. Explicit. And we, I, I mean, competition is in our DNA. It's in our core. It's, it's nature. Animals compete all the time for resources, for safety, for shelter. That's why sports is such a major industry. Guess what? So is video games. We got some numbers pulled up. Interns, did you know that there are oh, almost 3 billion gamers in the planet? It's like 2.4, 2.8, something like that. It's 2.5 billion 2. people 5 on the billion? You know, there's like 7.5 billion people in the world. That's a third of the planet, a little bit less. So the video game industry in 2017 was worth $78.61 billion. That's an, that's, a, that's an entertainment product that doesn't make your car go that doesn't make food, that doesn't make clothing, that doesn't make shelter, that's completely entertainment. Almost $80 billion in 2017. Preach! Um, I just want to say, I want to go back for a second and say that uh, a problem that I have with the, the gamification of like Amazon, and someone, someone touched on it too in this article, but a problem with it is that you know, it can be used to secretly incentivize like overworking employees, you know, because you get that competitive spirit Boom. and you can't see like the algorithm that's attached to the to the video game. So slowly they can kind of make the game just go faster than you need it to go. Or they can make the game like require higher amounts of work just to like get another point. And when you get trained and, and this is this is a thing in like mobile games too, where like people become addicted to the sound of like a balloon popping or become addicted to the sound of like like they'll use this sound effect of like coin drops and candy crush where there's no tangible real like benefit to doing it to like doing this uh prescribed motion but you know you get that sound and like bright colors pop up and you get endorphins from doing it and they can do that with these workers too and just like every day require a little bit more of them to get that same endorphin rush that they've become addicted to for sure, man. And, and uh, interns, don't get it twisted. Get that Twizzler out of your mouth. Yeah, get that Twizzler out of your fucking Get mouth, it out of man. your ears. Well, I, I, you, all right, look, video games are fun. That aspect, that addictive aspect is a major aspect of every single video game. Yeah, you there's play a not, game, you get points. What do those points do for you? There's nothing wrong with that. That's what makes games fun. And on top of a whole other slew of elements. But the thing is... What Gage is saying is right. Look, we're we're blue light blue collar art professionals. <laughs> light blue, yeah. <laughs> we're brown. We work hard. We believe in working hard. Hey, look, we don't think it needs to be a game. Don't disrespect our hard work. We're teal colored professionals. <laughs> yeah, teal, I teal I come colored. From, yeah, uh, 
I come from the Avatar world. <laughs> um, going back to these video game statistics, I'm sorry, I just wanted to bring it back to that because it kind of pissed me off. I didn't even think about that. Uh, <gasps> I'm fired up. So like, I need a glass of water poured on me. Eighty percent of the video game industry comes from games, which is really cool. Like that well, means that what? like like essentially. That means 20% of it is based on getting the equipment to run games, but 80% of it is software, which is like, that means the actual game object itself. So wow. Like, yeah. So like, like your PS4, your computer, your iPhone Whoa. only makes up about 20%. That makes that a income. lot of sense. Yeah. Most of it, uh, that means most of it is the, this creative product, the fucking video game, which yeah, I think buy, is really cool. You buy the hardware one time, but you buy like 10 games for it over the time that you have it. Or like, like 100. I mean, I gotta be honest with you guys. Um, I love video games. I have a PS4, and I probably buy one new game every paycheck, at least. Game Squad. I love video games. I grew up with video games. It was a big part of my life. It's fun. That's because I didn't have any friends as a kid, so video <laughs> games. That PS1 controller was my friend. PS2 for life. Um, PS2 for life. If you're an if you're an intern that uses Xbox, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm but sorry. we can't play together. Yeah, PS4 is a shit. I'm not gonna get an Xbox. Apparently, China covers 41 percent of the video game market revenue worldwide. China. Yeah, and the United States trails behind at at only we only covered 32 percent of the market, guys. Get Wait, your games up. So this is an art form. Did China, Chinese. Does China have its own video game like console? No, um, I'm pretty sure China has almost every game system, and they're recently about to start allowing the Nintendo Switch. Why? Why not? That's, that's like the most wholesome video game console ever. I don't want to get into it, because I don't know shit, but I'm going to guess that it's because the Switch is from Japan, Japan but well, then, so, so Sony. is PlayStation. Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe you just got to know somebody to know somebody. Oh, okay. Um, 27.5% of video games sold in the U.S. in 2016 were shooter games. Yeah. That's crazy. That's actually really disappointing. 20 plus percent. 20, almost a third of all games sold in the U.S. Are, are games about shooting people. Well. I'm surprised it's not more, actually. So, I think that that's the reason for that is because of a couple factors. Uh, well, obviously, probably something has to do with military-industrial complex. I feel like we've said that like 10 times on the pod. Yeah. <laughs> but, that, I mean, that's one thing. If you couple that with what we were just saying about the Pavlov experiment, that is when you play a shooting game, and if you're decent at it, you get that response all like quickly and all the time yeah and that kill. is your yeah that yeah. is your incentive and you want to do it more and faster because usually in shooting games you have a limited amount of time to accrue points and accrue kills and usually if you get into it you have like a kill death ratio meaning you kill more people than you die and that's like that'll really get your blood pumping you feel so good about it i was into that stuff for a while yeah but it's messed up too because that's like um we talked about it earlier, like, that's just propaganda to, to, well, some people are worried that it desensitizes, you know, people to think that, like, guns are, are a toy or something. And, like, I'm not yeah. some wild anti, well, I don't want to call them wild. I mean, look. I think guns are tools. What happened, what happened in the news, Gage? Tell me what happened when five or ten years ago, the news was all over video games. Video games were causing... Uh, uh, so much violence. Video games are making people bad. Guess what? Now that terrible shit is actually happening. Now that kids are actually killing other kids at schools. Well, they have since like the thirties. Well, but but where where did that news go? Why aren't they blaming video games even harder now? Well, I think some people still do. I mean, I see every now and then people try and claim video. Like I, I don't. I. I'm well, my point is, it was. It's not as like crazy as it it was like a big craze people really believed it but now it's just like yeah people now just have skipped it force on the guns. list of reasons why that's happening yeah so that's fucked up because um it's really not all the way video games it may attribute to something about military and cost uh military industrial whatever it 
I don't know what it is. Maybe it's cultural. I don't know. Man, I just think that um, people look at these violent games and and it's easy because aesthetically it's similar to like these acts of violence. It's easy to blame them when in reality, you know, people think about doing shit that they shouldn't do all the time. Right. And I would guess that the reason why there's people who want to do heinous acts like shoot up schools or, you know, beat people that have done nothing to them or throw their feces on the wall or like make a really terrible painting. I don't think that has anything to do with, with video games. I think that it has completely to do with existing in a system that, that doesn't serve them. But that's like a whole different story. Like, I don't think kids are going to schools and like shooting them up because they got the idea from like call of duty. Like I think, I think that people shoot up schools because the school system is essentially prison and it doesn't serve young people the way that it should i don't think it's i don't even think it's the schools either i think there's a whole lot of other factors in a person's life that can lead them i don't know maybe some sort of trauma we don't know well yeah trauma is gonna make them susceptible to wanting to like enact that shit but i I, I, like are you are you saying more of like the social culture in a school yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I, like, yeah. but I don't think okay. I don't think it's student to student. Like, I think it's really like this idea. So young people are inundated with with media all the time. That's kind of showing them more of how real life is going to be like for them, and all they see is all this information about and all this like data on how the school system that they're in is kind of a joke, and how adults don't really have it figured out. I think people that are young now with access to the internet, like kind of realize that we're all like, listen, interns, like nobody is, nobody has it figured out. Everyone's just kind of moving every day. And I think that for a long time, young people didn't know that. And that was kind of the, the best part about being a kid is not realizing that like no one really has an answer. But I think young people who are already predisposed to being scared, having anxiety or like being mentally unstable are noticing that. And then they're attributing their, their anger, their hatred and their fear of the future their fear of the system onto their school and then they, you know, violently react to that. Um, I think that there's solutions that involve having a different school system that doesn't make people feel like prisoners because like the, the school, the problem with the school is that it's just a place that you put a bunch of kids to babysit them and like they may learn a thing or two, but a lot of that stuff doesn't have a lot to do with real life and it's stuff that kids could learn from like a YouTube video. So most of the day they're just sitting around wondering like why am I be like like feeling unproductive, feeling like the school that they're in is stifling them, and then recognizing that that school is just a smaller version of the entire system that they're gonna have to grow up and exist within. And you know what'll help that? Video games. Fucking video games. Give that kid some Mario Kart. It relieves Actually, pressure. Video games do relieve pressure, but I don't want to go down this rabbit hole of why kids are doing this because really we don't know. It could yeah, be. I don't know shit. Yeah, I don't know. I I I. Before we move on, on I want to say I don't completely agree about. I I would say that maybe a school environment might be part of it, but I think video games is actually one hundred percent probably not directly related to anything. I think that there's that. such a huge. I mean, okay, two point five billion people on the planet play video games. Yeah, we don't have two two point five billion fucking. Violent. crazy violent acts every day yeah so like like it's very hard to make the case that video games the cause of it you know like like you can imagine driving onto the sidewalk to knock over a, um like a fire hydrant without actually doing it you could do that every day for your whole life just to just for the thought of like doing it and like video games offer you the opportunity to to experience that without actually having to do it and we mm-hmm. talked earlier about how like art is about a turning an experience into an object right so like yeah like we were looking at at uh the history of video games in relation to art and for a long time it wasn't really regarded as art which is crazy to me um like one of the first art exhibitions that included video games in them was one that was predicated on the idea that like the curator took a video game and called it art and then that was what gave it 
the identity of being art. Yeah, that's so egotistical. Yeah, to think that like like this object that's like an entertainment object is now an art object because you fucking picked it. Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, dude, that's my problem too with like the difference between visionary art and fine art. Yeah, what's the difference, dude? Nothing. It's a term. It's you, it's a label. What's do, it? Do you want to explain like what visionary art is for the uh, for the interns? Visionary art is a terminology applied to an artist who has no training, no formal training in an art institution. So basically, if you don't have a degree and you are an artist, then they'll call you a visionary artist, which is to me completely a bull crap definition. It's like a segre- it's almost segregation yeah. of artists. It's this idea that like simply by being human and making something the only way that you could do that well is by being a visionary without education, which is crazy. Yeah. And don't get me wrong either. There's nothing wrong with a term visionary. It's just the differentiation of it that's messed up. There's a really great museum here in the city called the American Visionary Art Museum that it's strictly giving a platform to those artists who might probably don't have the opportunity to show at a gallery because they're not going to be represented by someone because they're just a weird artist in a farm. Well, it's like someone who doesn't who doesn't know anyone in the art world. So how are you supposed to get in unless people exactly. like really really say like, "Oh, this dude's a visionary." Like Yeah. Like I found him. And that's another problem I have with it is like it's always like an I found them type of thing when you see visionary art in like a nice gallery. It's like this curator like met this guy who was weird but who made really cool bottle cap paintings. That's and what I re- yeah. It's like, oh, I found them. That's what I like about the Visionary Museum is you might argue that there is an aspect of I found them, but the thing is they find a lot of artists. Yeah. And that's their whole thing. And the way the curator works is by telling the story and allowing the artists to tell their story, multiple artists, and giving them an opportunity that they might not have had. And they she and the curator looks and curator and director looks for these people intentionally. By far, I think the Visionary Museum in Baltimore is like my favorite, like fine arts museum. I'm I'm right there with you, buddy. Yeah, they got like weird mirror, like they got these like really weird mirror figures that are like hanging from the ceiling, like with like angel wings and shit. And they'll have like model ships made of toothpicks and all sorts of weird stuff that you don't see in the in the institutional realm, mostly because people like these quote-unquote visionaries are using materials that, you know, you can't buy from a Michaels or something. And you know what? I work there, so I know the people work that work there are, like, very nice, very good people. Yeah, it's just so weird. It's legit. I think it's just a weird denomination to call them visionaries mm-hmm. in the sense that, like, like, one, I think that people who went to art school could still be visionary, and it also gives this idea that, like, if you went to, like, an institution you would have the same level as of skill as these non-institutionalized artists um which you don't like Are, like there's like you can't even compete but yeah. i also don't think that these non-institutionalized artists are visionaries in the sense that like like that they're special amongst non-institutionalized artists like i just think right. that they're they're just good like they they're make good, good work yeah and they it's it's cool that there's a it's like that thing where like people um they're like oh we're including like non-institutional people in this place and it it's like a branding mechanism for some places but the avam i think they i think they do it really well i think they do it right we're yeah i mean as visionary podcasters yeah, very we visionary. can relate fully dude i'm telling you guys like renz has really been upgrading his his sound engineering so every episode i try and get farther and farther away from the mic just to challenge him to like <laughs> level up a little bit and he's getting great you guys like sound off in the comments and like and subscribe if you think that my voice sounds as sultry and sexy as episodes three four five six seven eight and nine here's the thing we've been dealing with a lot of we're, we're, as, as every episode we've been growing Moving into a new studio every upper, every other episode. Yeah, we're like eight foot ten. At now this we're point. in like this gigantic studio. It's huge. There's <laughs> it's natural big, lighting. Bro. You hear the echo? The the echo is the sound of success. Can you hear the echo? 
That's the sound of success. Look at these. T- these are high ceilings. Yeah, we got we got big paintings. I don't even in have here. a ruler. We got big, big pot en- energy. Big paintings, big pot energy. Check out check out the pics on paid.artist.com. We're talking about video games. Is Instagram a video game? Uh, yeah. Like I think likes likes and and uh, follows are are like the incentive, and it's a very like shitty video game. I mean, I, <laughs> but you know, it's a video game that I play. Yeah. We gotta play. We gotta pay to play. We gotta pay to play. But well, literally though, you gotta pay to play because now that if you want exposure, they're gonna grab you by the fucking nuts and tell you that you gotta pay to get your followers. And guess what? Instagram is filled with bots. Bots. Yeah. Don't you guys hate when uh you go on Instagram and you like maybe maybe you like put like hashtag IPA and you get like like Dachau Brewery and like uh like like double hops official posting weird like unrelated comments on your shit like that say stuff such as this is a great photo and it's just like a picture of like a turd you you took at the tavern or something or like a really poor poor grammar post i like your great content follow like and subscribe <laughs> wow really good works I, I like your I like your post. Hello, keep doing it. Great job, Renz B and Gage B. All right, guys. So the reason Renz and I are super excited, and we we keep getting heated, but like this episode, <laughs> we thought that um we would talk a little bit about video games as art. And I have a deep, deep, deep esteem for video games as art. Not only for video games as an incentive to make art because I have made paintings and drawings and sculptures about video games, but also like physically as an, as an art object, which I I don't think that a lot of people in the fine arts world spend too much time appreciating the amount of effort and the quality, the storytelling that goes into video games, you know, at least not enough for my taste. Well, you know, I think, as an artist, it's so easy for me to uh, classify and, and kind of find something artistic in mediums. These days, thanks to Marcel Duchamp, we, m- many artists have been using very, you know, relatively, arguably obscure mediums to use as uh, uh, material for conceptual artwork. You can use a big uh, aquarium tank filled with some sort of liquid to make basketballs float in the center as if being in zero gravity. You can use literally other people's Instagram posts as material to make art. Why not pixels? Why not, why not a video game? And why did it take so long? Why did it take a curator pretending that they were Duchamp, saying, oh, just because I brought this video game into a gallery environment, now it's art? We're, Man, we're talking to here. you, Museum of the Moving Images, 1989 Hot Circuits, a video arcade, video game show, where the games were showcased as preformed works whose quality as art came from the intent of the curator to display them as art. That is ridiculous. And that, that actually happens a lot in art, where Man. like... A curator making a choice to show something as an art object is considered as an art object. Man, miss me with that whack curator shit. Yeah, like I like curators who, you know, have a good eye and like they're like, oh, I'm going to put, you know, cool artists together. Um, those of you interns who like aren't super familiar with that, that'll happen a lot where like you'll make maybe you do like cool memes and then they'll find someone else who does cool memes and then they'll find someone who does like meme paintings and then they'll find like a like a video artist who who shows the context of memes and they'll put them all in a show. And like, I see that as like an art object, but I don't really see a curator picking up a bunch of things that are in themselves art objects and oh. then choosing that it's an art thing. When did that guy do that? 1989. All right, guess what, uh, Gage? What? That curator is full of shit. You know why? <laughs> all right, listen here. Listen here, all you egotistical ass curators why don't you curate a piece of my mind why don't you get your ostrich ass 
out of your own butt. Out of your own butt. And start curating for real. Start curating for the people. That's your job. For the people. Tell a story. Okay? Preach. Don't, yeah, your job isn't to your job isn't to to elevate your reputation and try to manipulate yourself into the world of art history because you think you're so important. Because guess what? That dude said that in 89. Well, a little gallery called the Museum of Modern Art has had video games. They've added video games into their collection since 1980. Guess what the Woo! first one was? Pac-Man in 1980. Hey, get snapped on, son. Pac-Man is art. Guess also, what else they have? Tetris. Snapped. They the got Sims. you. And you know what? They're going to have Dragon Duel from Amazon in there soon, I bet. Portal. Portal's a dope game. If you don't know Portal, that's a, literally like a first-person game. You have a portal gun. You can make one portal that you enter in one portal that you exit, and you uh, traverse through puzzles in a virtual world. I mean, I, I want to hit this nail on the head like a million times in that, like, if art is supposed to make you experience or have an observation or think about something you haven't thought about before and it's an object designed to do that, like, video games probably hit that mark harder than any fucking Jeff Koons sculpture I've ever seen. I, I really like the Play-Doh sculpture. Yeah, yeah. I also really like the Inflatable Hulk. Um, I gotta take an inflatable piss, so I'll be right back. Renz is gonna, Renz is gonna sing to you, um, let it go uh, from Frozen. <laughs> oh, let it go, let it go, the snow is so cold, I gotta carry it on my nose. And buttons in my torso made of stones. And all I've eaten in the past year is snow. Lemon-colored snow. Alright, so I don't really get a chance to pod by myself without gauge here but um i've been practicing a lot with my singing and if you guys want to uh hear more of me singing maybe uh if you donate a few dollars to our patreon you'll get some exclusive uh content of my voice uh, uh, uh here's a fun fact what the owner of the patent for the karaoke machine is a Filipino man. In Filipino culture, karaoke is actually huge. It's big. It's a big deal. The inventor of the karaoke machine was actually Japanese, but the Filipino person kind of just uh, said, hey, this is sick. We love to sing. Uh, we, love we love games. And karaoke is sometimes a game. There's actually a karaoke machine that gives you points at the very end of your song, and if you hit all the hard, sharp notes then, uh, you know, it gives you a score from 1 to 100, depending on how well you sing. And my family has a couple of these mics. They're called Magic Sing Mics. Hey, uh, yeah, Gage is back. Uh, now I have to take a magic piss also. So, um... Let's just pause it. Okay. And <laughs> who got the patent for the karaoke was Filipino. Oh, so I'm back. I'm back for my magic piss. We're I was just back. telling Gage about how the person, the you know, the pat Filipino patenter, uh, but actually invented by a Japanese person. So let's talk about that. In Asia, Asia has the biggest population of gamers in oh, yeah. the world. Yeah, it has a huge population And a lot of, of fucked up people, like, say, Asian people are the best at video games. And really, kind of, they, they statistically, there may be a lot more successful, like, competitive Asian video gamers, but that's also, like, kind of racist. How's that racist? Because some people some people will look at an Asian person and assume they're good at math or video games. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, that wouldn't be the first thought that I, I would have. I would just say that the... I would guess that the fact that um, stronger in terms of economics, like stronger Asian countries have a larger sedentary middle class mm. you know in the way that like there's more people because you know the u.s is right behind there 
but it's like hard to say like i don't i don't think that it's it would be racist to be like well, asian people are good at video games i think that if if you have a population where more people are able to play video games like they're gonna be better it's like well, the u.s is the best at football that's true because the population in asia is also way bigger than the population in north america yeah so like or america at a number at a game of odds like if you're you know just picking people at random it's probably more likely you're gonna pick like if you're picking people at random and you're trying to get a good gamer and you like are just picking people it's probably more likely you're gonna get an asian person first of all it's gonna be more likely you get an asian person just picking at random and then in that same regard it's gonna be more likely you're gonna get a good gamer because, I mean, a lot of Asian countries are, you know, technologically advanced enough. A lot of the, the super famous ones, like South Korea and China and Japan. You know what I think is interesting? Like, what do you think it is about the culture that is prevalent in Western culture, more specifically, let's say, North America, where we live, versus the culture in Asian countries? Let's even include India, Let's include China, Japan, and the Philippines just for the sake of including the Philippines. Korea. Yeah, so, uh, one, you know, the, the cultures in, West, in the West are very different than the cultures in the East. Um, you know, you could say, you could use a melting pot thing, but in the East, what is, is, there, is there a... Fa- can we create a difference fairly between the East and the West? Like create a in difference? terms of a difference of culture, like what what can we deduce it to just just to so we can talk about it? Well, I want to be fair and say that this is coming from someone who's always lived in the West and um like me. Okay, I've always lived in the West, and all of my media is essentially filtered through whatever the West does to filter its content. But from what I understand, um, Eastern countries, specific like. Eastern countries in general, and actually most countries aside from the U.S. and, like, some parts of, of Europe and then colonized countries, like, really strongly colonized countries, are, um, so that a lot of countries nationally are more homogenous, so they have, like, a much larger portion of their, of their population is, like, of one culture, so like Japan, I'm guessing, and South Korea, I'm guessing, and China, I'm guessing, is like mostly descendant from the same group of people, whereas like like the U.S. or countries that have a long history of colonialism, you know, there's a back and forth where like the U.S. Ha- is you know quote unquote a melting pot, uh, the U.K. is quote unquote a melting pot, and then countries in Europe have been having more and more uh, like refugees and immigrants coming there. So like that's one difference in terms of like the population group i would say culturally that's significant in that we have multiple cultures competing for for relevance and also multiple cultures exchanging information between one another in a way that like china where like 90 percent of the population is descended from the han people um does they don't deal with the same sort of cultural uh, growth and expansion and also difference that like the u.s would deal with right but what about i'm i was more trying to refer to which i didn't really elaborate on but like the social dynamic of how um okay i think this is getting a little confusing but um i wonder what it is about a place like japan mm-hmm. japan is big That's with video games yeah, yeah. And it probably has something to do with the competitive nature of it. This is nah, man. I think that this is a little Japan got fucking about. nuked. <laughs> I think that the U.S. nuked Japan, and like their, uh, I don't know what effect that had, but it has to have a big effect to just like get totally stomped like that. Um. Well, that's getting deep, man. Yeah. It, oh, going down. Like, that, that's a rabbit hole. Well, okay. So I think that. From what I understand, a lot of Japanese content and culture 
is drastically different and the aside from like the cultural differences the only thing that i can imagine would affect their like population aside from the amount of money they have and the technology they have which is pretty similar to what the u.s has is is its historical like the things that have happened to it in history and the only thing i can think of that's like crazy is is getting nuked that is so that is so crazy they're they might they are they the only country that's ever been had an atomic bomb or anything like that huge? Uh, detonated by a country that's not itself. An like, enemy? Yeah, yeah like that's the U.S. That's so is, devastating. Yeah. That's very sad. There's there's that Dave Chappelle thing, which like this holds no merit uh, intellectually, but I'm sure there's some value to the, to the thought where like Dave Chappelle talks about how um, like getting castrated especially in a country that's like predicated on on patriarchy like predicated on like masculinity getting castrated in the way that like getting a bomb a nuclear bomb dropped on you especially when like at the time that the u.s nuked japan japan was like a very strong military power and we kind of just like demonstrated this crazy amount of power over just them flick them in the nose <laughs> yeah like like it's like it's like punching a dog in the face when it like takes shit on your carpet like that's what we did like pearl harbor was a big fucking deal whatever if, if you you know, I'm in the future. I don't care about that shit. Like people died, people die all the time. But we we nuked them and we demonstrated that at 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 our whim and with very little repercussions, we could do whatever we wanted to them. And I I, I don't know what would cause um a societal shift if not something like that. You really don't care about that Pearl Harbor thing? I mean I care. All right. Well, <laughs> but like, I'm just saying, like, I don't think that I, I think that nuking is a war crime and it should be considered as such. Yeah, it's pretty nasty. It's, I mean, it's nasty. Yeah, dude, it's it's fucked up. It's as bad as biological warfare. It's something that you really can't defend against. And it's something that when you start doing stuff that like easily harms people way outside of like your like what you can quote-unquote call an enemy like that's ridiculous you're doing things that are just like completely fucking uncalled for yeah that was such a huge decision yeah um so what i find interesting about specifically this topic since we're in it right now is i've watched a lot of anime enough anime for me to notice that there's some sort of relationship between huge behemoth monsters and the desire to improve and get better and that kind of gives me an inkling on what type of culture is coming from the people that put out that type of media to the public and ma manga and anime are hugely popular in japan pioneered there for yeah those of you who aren't familiar and a lot of japanese uh media like that japanese Manga, anime has very imaginative creatures, monsters. Uh, you might call them hybrids. There's a lot of relationships between like mutated creatures that you got to defeat and, and superpowers. And that is just so... Actually, in truth, Godzilla was a real reaction towards that, what you call a war crime. Yeah. That was a real thing. Godzilla is apparently a representation of the humongous destruction and impact that the bomb left uh japan and it, it left it left that country ruined psychologically yeah. you know more so than as much as the destruction caused a lot of damage and trauma to people that trauma has influenced the society in a way that i cannot fathom or understand because i'm not from there but from the outside looking in i can empathize enough to say that that what 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 happened was super uh it's such an important part in history because now everybody is afraid of nuclear weapons now that we see what it could do to people and we have comedians talking about it in a very real way because you know he might be talking in a hyperbolic sense just to make people laugh but a lot of the times making people laugh and it leaves people vulnerable and open to keep listening did you know that um that uh russia owns 
uranium one which is like the the most popular producer of or the the most prevalent and effective producer of uranium on the planet and we we gave them that power i mean fuck dude we're talking about games yeah we that's were. a game right there we were just talking about call of duty this is real life stuff yeah you can't get, like you, everything is gamified no you can't yeah that's the problem we had in the beginning you you can games are supposed to be fun Work can be fun, but you can't force fun in a work environment. You can't force it. You can't. Hey, I'm sorry, interns. This took like a way different turn than any of us were planning. It's just like thinking about nuclear bombs and stuff makes me sad. And also, I'm like super uneducated on this shit. Like we we need to do some research and come back part two because we're going to do a part two. We're going to get back to games soon. We're going to do a part two and we're going to be ready to talk about all this shit because i am actually super interested in like the effect of the nuclear bomb on japan uh but let's get back to games on art art as games games as art i'm a, I'm, I'm nervous man yeah yeah like this shit is intense i think that what makes this such a deep topic is that games can connect so so directly to that innate competitiveness that exists in in humans oh yeah when you're playing a game like let's say you're playing capture the flag or something oh no you're playing football and like like your goal is to uh i don't know get a ball somewhere else but you know some dude tackles the shit out of some other person and you're just like stoked because you're like oh man i won for the second you get that like that moment that moment that uh, feels good, that moment that's that Pavlovian thing where, like, like you feel like something happened. Yeah, well, even more reduced than that is the aspect of success. Yeah. And you, we call it winning. You win. The other person loses because they're worse. It happens in, like, an alpha male animal thing, you know, like the top dog. Yeah. There's terms for it. We have hierarchies. We have uh, number one ranks. We have rankings in the video games. There's there's always going to be someone that's number one in the game who did the best because of some sort of parameter that's set. Dude, the wild thing to me is that in, like, games all the time, like, video video games and games in general are one of those things where, like, your, your value in that context like your value as a gamer or something is completely irrelevant but it somehow still gives you satisfaction like and that's something that's just like innate in people it's like yeah. this desire to do like one do better than you've ever done like yourself and i think that's a really good part about games is like it pushes you to do something that you couldn't do before and and it's really cool to have that measured like by points um which is like something that i think amazon is taking advantage of but also the, where it starts to get a little toxic is when like like things that hold no real cultural relevance or hold no real like survival relevance like like you getting 14 points in a football game versus someone else getting seven points in a football game may f make you feel superior but like no one gets to eat more off that yeah i except for that player's family or know, them if they're i mean if they're a famous football player which is yeah. a very small percentage of people <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But like you know, when I, when when the when uh, the art pros snap on all these other podcasts on Spotify, and we have like a billion views per episode or whatever, <laughs> like it's it's not gonna do anything for society, right? You know? But we are winning the game of having a a dope podcast. It's a game. Yeah, it's a game. It's a game. Everything's a game. It's either a game or it sucks. I don't know. And I guess that I guess that's a messed up point that that we're I, i'm i'm getting from this this weird amazon article that kind of took us around the world a little bit we amazon went a little international yeah pitbull what's up we went a little worldwide there guess what shouts out to our international listeners we got a listener from germany we got listeners from philippines we got listeners from canada we got listeners from turkey turkey yo turkey was the first country that we had listeners from Thank you. That wasn't the U.S., so shout out to you. We got mad listeners in California. We got listeners in Florida. You guys, hop on the on the Art Pros train, and if you if you like our content, just fucking tell your friends, man. And if you don't, 
if you if you pause when we start talking about nuclear bombs, we're gonna nuke you. <laughs> don't laugh! Don't laugh at that. <laughs> don't laugh at that. I'll, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not laughing with you. I'm laughing at you. <laughs> that is fucked up. All right, guys. Have you guys ever been to like an airport or something? Uh, this is this is a boys only section. Um, <laughs> you go to the airport, and I went to I went to the airport in uh, West Palm, and they have this weird. It's a it's not a game. Nothing's a game, but they have targets in the urinals. And I got to fucking tell you guys that these urinals were the cleanest fucking urinals I've ever seen in my whole life. You know why? Because they gamified peeing. So, like, instead of peeing, I, those of you who don't use urinals, and I don't blame you, those things are fucking nasty in public places. But these urinals were so clean, and I have to say it's probably because that people, like, I know I aimed for the bullseye, and it was it was spot on. Like, I killed it. Um, you guys should have seen it. You should have been there. It was fucking awesome. But that's like an interesting thing about gamification, which is, that's a word that means turning things into games. Well, hmm. now, now it's gotten me thinking um, about the real definition of a game, the truth about why it's interesting. Is a game the representation of that hidden desire to still be the top alpha dog? The alpha dog mentality. I want to be the biggest, the biggest lion, the biggest elk with the biggest seven, a uh, uh, thirty pack pronged horn. <laughs> right. I want the biggest cave. I yeah. Want, I want the coolest house. <laughs> I want the most fucking money. Yeah, and maybe and maybe playing this game <coughs> supports that. I want I want to cough the most. Yeah, like my cough is very deep. It's very deep. I have a deep voice. <laughs> yeah, that's probably something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's like there's all I I've noticed that a lot of the most successful industries have targeted like things that are innate in human, like f- the food industry. We need to eat. I think we need that to be creative. Um, I think that the necessity of game well one games always pop up in societies like recreational games always pop up in societies that have enough right because if you, if you're in a society where everyone's starving people like people don't have a bunch of houses and um people don't have like you know their basic needs met there's not a lot of space for games um I think that like games regardless of how they're formatted come exist in societies where at least people perceive that their needs are met so like like obviously the u.s has a huge population of people that need more like you know homeless people and like uh hungry people but you know you see you don't see gamers from areas like that you see a lot of gamers from from like the suburbs and shit i I think that it's ultimately an indicator that that small section of the society you're in has enough and games are necessary for like not necessary but it's like a symptom of the fact that we have that innate desire to be better yeah you know Mm -hmm. i i completely agree but it's also problematic like the fact that we have 2.5 billion gamers on the planet but then there's also like a portion of the planet that needs to eat like that's a problem like we need to address people that need to eat more than we need to continue producing games well this is getting this is getting this is getting deep down there this is games 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 isn't games is more than settlers of Catan. games is more than chess there's a reason why those games are sick what Nothing's more than chess, bro. Everything's a chess game. <laughs> you want to get followers on Instagram, you got to play chess. You want to get listeners on Spotify, you got to play chess. It's pretty much the ultimate game. It's the ultimate game. It's chess. One of the Yeah, one of the ultimate games. Next, was, next to Dance Dance Revolution. It was <laughs> chess, Pac-Man, Dance Dance Revolution. If you don't know about those games, you need to turn this podcast off right now because I can't even fucking talk to you. All right. Catch us on catch in, catch us on part two. We're fired up. We're heated. This uh, if you guys stop listening because this episode you're a chump and you lost the game. Guess what? I hope you're heated. This is the most punk podcast we've ever recorded. Hey, we're so punk right now that we're ba- right back to conservative. We don't like video games at all. 
I, I think we just made an unpaid intern mosh pit. Yo, okay. They're freaking moshing in their Nissan Versus. I'm just letting you guys know, if we reach $10,000 on Patreon per month, I will single-handedly produce a video game for all of you and anyone who's a Patreon donor or subscriber will get the video game for free. And it's going to be raw. We're going to have a, a, a um, Blink-182 songs on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Um, Sugar Ray songs. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> oh, you just brought it way back. Uh, uh, we're going to have Limp. Limp. Uh, uh, limp. Limp. Limp Cracker. Limp. <laughs> or, or, that's a pejorative, man. We're going to have uh, a Limp limp bread on there it's gonna be like the second best video game soundtrack since sony hawk yeah uh um, okay this has been the r pros we fucking love you guys <sighs> thank you so much you can find us on instagram at paid.artist you can find us on patreon at patreon.com slash uh art pros i think art pros podcast art pros podcast uh and you can if you liked or disliked this episode and you made it this far you made it this far you won you won and we're we're gonna give you a virtual high five and if you have opinions send us an email at artprospodcast at gmail.com and we will we'll take it very seriously we don't have we only have like 10 million followers right now so <laughs> we love you guys bye bye